Well, what a different and unusual Sunday morning at Bethel today with uh, the uh, ice storm and uh, um, and bad weather. And so, uh, a couple of things, uh, we're going to look into God's Word together today. I mean, it's still kind of misting and raining and below freezing, so I, I, I'm not going to preach my normal hour, and, uh, and so, uh, so uh, see if we can shorten it a little bit today. All in favor? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll believe you. We'll see what happens, okay. I was going to do a Discovering Church membership class this afternoon, and while it may get above freezing, it would be okay, uh, there's just so many gone today. I think we'll reschedule that. And so we'll do it next week. I think that works for some of us. And so uh, I want to make sure Matthew and Heather could be there and Rachel can be there. I confirmed with her and Drew and Jay ought to be able to be there. And it ought to be a, uh, we'll make contact uh, with the others who had signed up. And then that way uh, we'll get that scheduled uh, in in a week. All right. And so... uh, Thank you for being here today, and uh, I am uh, just, uh, I know it was extra effort, and uh, maybe some trepidation coming in, but uh, thank the Lord that you uh, made it safely, and I'm praying for, please be safe on the way home today. I want us to uh, look together into God's Word, and uh, if you have your copy today, we're still talking about this abundant life that we have in Jesus And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And one of the things, we've looked at things that hinder, that impinge uh, the flow of this Jesus life in us and, uh, and the fruit of the Spirit being demonstrated in us, if we can think of it that way, and that we want to not to lay aside every weight and sin that entangles us and that we are fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so one of the things that causes us problems is unforgiveness. And we talked about that two or three weeks ago. And then a lack of mercy when we don't care and don't live, but when we live a life of compassion and mercy. It brings abundance into your life. And when we give, we looked at that last week. And as you open your life and you give to others, you give to God, then it, by the same measure that you measure, it will be measured back to you. Good measure, pressed down, in your lap, shaken together, poured out. Just great blessing to you and your life. We sow sparingly, we reap sparingly, we sow bountifully. We reap bountifully. There's the blessing of God as we're obedient in this area of our life. And we talked about those principles last week. This week, I want to talk about training or discipline in your life so that you're you're living a life of of training, of, 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 uh, of discipline in your spiritual life. It's so easy. To live an undisciplined life, an untrained life. Everybody just kind of goes and does whatever they want to do, but they're not 
focused on this life that God has given us and living that with purpose. And so I want to look at some scripture verses today and uh, we'll think about physical discipline and how it's important for physical exercise, physical training, profits our body, right? But that we ought to have godly living. There's been some famous quotes about discipline and exercise. Edward Stanley said years ago, those who do not find time for exercise will have to find time for illness. Hmm. I had a professor of Old Testament who said, I think my opinion about exercise is that God gives us only so many heartbeats in a lifetime. And I hate to waste any of mine on a treadmill. U.B. Blake was a famous jazz composer and pianist and ragtime player. He lived from 1887 to 1983. He wrote Broadway musicals, and one of his quotes was, he said, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd taken better care of myself. When I think about our lives and our, our, our taking care, Jim Ron said, take care of your body, it's the only place you have to live. Hmm. Well, when you think about your physical body, taking care of uh, your physical body, good nutrition and exercise and diet and discipline in that area of your life, what about your spiritual life? Look with me to some scripture verses today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning verse number 24. Do you not know that all of us run in, a, all, uh, run in a race? Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body. Keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Hmm. Paul said, I I, there's a regimen in my life, and there's a discipline in my life. And thinking about athletics, he says, listen, those who run in a race, they all run, but one gets the prize. And he says, I, I, I want to win. I want to live my life like a winner. I, I don't want to be a loser. I, I want to be all that God would have me to be. That's why I have self-control and uh, like an athlete. And he says, Athletes are under control and disciplined and work out and strive hard and, and try to perfect their moves so that they might receive a, 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 a prize. And it's just a, a wreath, a garland on their head that, and they're the accolades of being a champion. But more than that, we receive a reward from the Lord that will never pass away and, and it is a, it's imperishable. He says, I don't live my life aimlessly, just wandering here or there, but that's not the way I run. I, I'm running toward the finish line. 
And he says, when I box, he says, or grapple, I, I don't just shadow box or beat the air, but I'm prepping to, to win the contest. That's what he's saying. And I discipline my body. I keep it under control. He says, you know what would be so embarrassing to me is after I've preached and taught to others, I might somehow, by living an undisciplined life, find myself disqualified and set on the shelf and not being used by God because I've lived an undisciplined life. Wow. He said, I don't want to be disqualified. And I want to make sure that I'm living this Christian life the way God wants me to live it. Amen? Now, if you look with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's writing to his son in the ministry and loves him dearly. And as he writes to Tim, he says, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained, there's that, that idea of training, that word. It's related to the idea of a gymnasium and working out. Being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you followed have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we grapple and we work, we labor, because we have our hope set on a living God who's Savior of all people especially those who believe. Amen. Well, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to think about seven essential uh, training habits. And first thing that Paul has to say in this passage, he says, he says, do not, he says, get caught up in, in irreverent, silly myths, but train yourself for godliness. It is so easy to get distracted in this world. Anybody ever have a problem with getting distracted in your life? Christy, all the time, is coaching me while I'm driving. The other day, well, the other day, uh, we were thinking about upgrading her car, and we went and looked at some other cars. They've come out with all this new technology that her car doesn't have. Her car's about 12 years old, so... It's time to upgrade. She wants a car with four doors, and she can get those grandbabies in and out of the car easier. Aaron says amen. All right. And so, uh, and so we were looking at one of those little cars, and they got this neat stuff. And so we're test driving the car, and if you get too close to the lane, it, the, the steering wheel vibrates, or it can beep at you. And then if you get too close to the other side, it does the same thing. I said, this is cool. I said, Christy, I don't even need you in the car anymore. And so, because uh, she was the one that was always telling me that stuff. Tim, you're too close to the line. And so anyway, and so, let's see, with her. What, you know, we need to dis- that kind of discipline in our own life. And he says, it's so easy to get distracted. And one of the things he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, irreverent, 
and silly myths. And that means that word irreverent, uh, some translations say profane. It's worldly. It's not of the Lord. And they're silly. The King James says silly myths or King James says old wives' tales, all right? And so uh, what does that mean? It, mean, it means it's, it's the word that is used there that we get the word myth from. And he says they're just silly, uneducated, philosophically unsophisticated ideas. And he says don't get carried away with that. And, and in chapter 4, the first five verses, it, first um, the verses just preceding that. If you look with me, what he says. <clears throat> find the right book of the Bible. Uh, he said, don't get, don't get caught up in that. He said, don't, don't believe these false doctrines. He says, he says the, the Spirit says in latter times, some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons and insincerity of liars. Consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving. He said everything created by God is good. Nothing's to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God in prayer. So he says, don't get caught up in these silly myths and ideas about you can't marry and and you, you can't eat this food, or you can't drink this drink, you can't do this. It's, it's all about, you. The, the, he says, don't get distracted, but instead, nourish yourself on the words of God. Chapter 4, verse 6, make as your nourishment God's word. Notice that we are to, to be, take in his word. He says, Good servant of Christ being trained in the words of faith and good doctrine that you have followed. So don't give in to false doctrine. Don't follow these foolish things. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 14. He says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but ruins the hearers. Instead, nourish yourself on God's word. Listen, it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? You know what? We can get distracted about things that don't matter. Silly ideas, political conversations. When I grew up as a boy in in church, some of the most off-putting things were the legalism that was taught in church as if it were doctrine. Meaning, if your hair was too long, you didn't have a right walk with God. Does anybody remember those days? Or if you, uh, if you wore a cap in church that you had disrespected God and everybody else. Or if you had tattoos, well, you... Must have been in the Navy, and that's the only excuse. And so, uh, uh, or if you had uh, piercings, they, back in the day, that, my day, and piercings, but that, this wasn't that long ago. That was in our church, and other churches like that. If you ever had a beer, you ever had a glass of wine, that somehow you didn't have a walk with God, that's not right. 
We've added something to word. When I was a boy, there were guys that went on these whole long excursions teaching that rock and roll was bad and it was going to send you to hell if you listened to it. I had to repent every Sunday because I listened to rock and roll during the week. Got invited to a dance when I was a freshman in high school. It was a Sadie Hawkins dance. That meant the girl invited the guy. I went. I was scared to death I was going to go to hell because I danced a couple of times. Isn't that foolishness? We get distracted. We get distracted about politics. Can I say something to you? If you get so wound around the axle about politics, you're watching TV and all these talking heads and pundits and you get in your fix of rush for three hours every day. And what you'd speak with condemnation toward other people. These are distractions. There's not, there's, in the end, there's two kinds of people. And it's not Democrat and Republican. It's not liberal or conservative. It's not gay or straight. It's lost or saved. And it's time for us to be the people of God and love people and not get distracted. Amen? Flee these things, he says. Flee these youthful passions. Look at with me the Second Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 23. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies if you know that you, because you know that they breed quarrels. What do these controversies do? They just cause us to argue more, don't they? And breed more quarrels. And that doesn't change the world. Secondly, run from temptation. Anybody ever get tempted in your life? Yeah, of course. And if temptation comes to our life, he says to flee from youthful passions and pursue faith, love, peace, along with all those called the Lord from a pure heart. So flee these. So what are we to flee? We're to flee youthful passions, sensual lusts of the flesh and cravings and desires. Flee from that and run toward the Lord. Uh, It reminds me of a story. Remember the story of of, uh, Potiphar and his wife, And remember how Mr. Potiphar in Egypt bought a slave boy. Do you remember the story? And what was this slave boy's name? Joseph. And Joseph had been sold to the Ishmaelites, and because they hated their brother, and he was a favorite of their father, and they were jealous, and they despised him, and they hated him, and they told their dad that he had been killed, and they brought his special coat that dad had made him, And they covered it in animal's blood, and dad thought he was dead, and they sold him into slavery, and he ended up in Egypt. And while he was in Egypt, Potiphar bought him. 
And when he bought him, he made him in charge of his house. And eventually he rose, him, rose up in the ranks, proving himself so competent that he became like an administrator over all of Potiphar's house. It says this young man, Joseph, was fine looking in the form and appearance. Means he's one handsome dude. And Mrs. Potiphar took notice. Y'all remember the story. It says she cast her eyes on him and wanted him and tried to persuade him to be immoral with him and to lie with her. And you know what? He said, I can't do that, and I cannot sin against your husband, and I cannot sin against God. I can't do that. But day after day, while her husband was gone and he was working, she would approach him with this temptation. Finally, one day, he was in the house alone with her, and she grabbed a hold of him, and he took off running, and she tore his coat cloak right off of him. He ran out half naked, and she told everybody that this Jewish boy had tried to take advantage of her. She lied, and he ends up in prison. But he was fleeing from the temptation. He didn't, this is what we do. Sometimes when we're tempted to do wrong, we just try to see how close to the edge we can get to that temptation and not fall off. Folks, that's not what Paul said. He said, run away from it. Do not, do not, Engage it, because you'll get burned. And now, no, listen to me. Look, look with me. Second Timothy chapter three, verses one to five. Understand this: that in the last days, in stressful days, there'll become times of difficulty. This is in. We're in these last days, friends. We're in these last days of stress and difficulty and and hardship. And he says these are perilous days, and there's a a characteristic that you'll find in this day, in this age. For people will be what? Say it with me. Lovers of what? Lovers of self. Lovers of what? Proud, arrogant. Heartless. Let's go. having the appearance, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Wow. So as we look at that passage of Scripture, let's, let's back those slides up uh, uh, so I'll walk through those for just a moment. Notice what he says. He says, it was times of difficulty and press, pressure and stress. And here's what they will do. They will love themselves and love money. He says they're proud and arrogant and abusive and disobedient. And as he unpacks this, it's rebellion. It's rebellion against the kingdom of God. It's rebellion against God. If you, if you, he says it shows themselves in lovers of self. And that's the fundamental problem. It's all about me. And, and here's, here's when we know we're not living right. When we make everything in life about me. And life's about my happiness. Life's about my joy, my comfort, my rights, my money, 
my dreams, then your love is misdirected. It needs to be not love for self. There's three. He's, he uses this word phileo four times here. He says they're lovers of self, lovers of money, and lovers of what? Pleasure. But they are not what? Lovers of whom? God. And so this is the fundamental problem. And tucked in there is several other descriptions of what, how they live and, and disobedience. It says they're proud, they're arrogant, they're braggarts, they're swashbugglers, they're, they're bucklers, they're full of themselves, they're puffed up and prideful, they're arrogant, haughty. And so they're haughty, so they look down at other people. So they blaspheme others. They slander them. They're so filled with themselves that they look down on other people with contempt and speak evil of other people. They are so full of themselves, their nose is so far in the air, if it rained, they'd drown. They, 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 they're, they're filled with themselves. And they don't love God or others. And so they are slanderers. They're like little devils. They backbite and slander and speak evil of other people. They're arrogant. So they're judgmental, undermining. They don't live with any self-control. He says they're brutal. They are fierce. They are haters of good. They hate what is right. They embrace what is evil. Does that sound like our culture today? Have you ever lived in such a time that people want to celebrate evil and condemn what's good? They're swollen with conceit, he said. They love pleasure. And so that's the culture we live in. People live after their own pleasure. They love money and pleasure, experiences and trips and materialism and recreation more than God. They're lovers of money. Look with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 6, beginning with verse number 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. What what, what? What, Tim, what Paul is saying to Timothy is, Tim, don't get distracted and don't give in to temptation and run from it and don't be filled with self, lover of self. Don't be a lover of money. Don't be a lover of pleasure, but be a lover of God in your life. And when you love him, you run from temptation. Amen? Amen. Number three, continue following Jesus. So he says in chapter 3, verse 10, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. My persecutions and sufferings had happened unto me in Antioch and at Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life will be persecuted. He said, follow me. You've seen what I've endured and what I've gone through. 
evil people, imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue. Stay. Stay on the path. Continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And now, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with sacred writings, able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He said, Tim, stay on path. Follow Jesus. Keep on following him. When hardships come, when persecutions come, when you suffer, Tim, you saw me suffer, you saw what I've gone through, all who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution in Christ, but understand in the world, but you be faithful to Christ, stay on the path, keep your eyes fixed on Him, and you watch the blessing of God will come into your life, Tim. You know, we have this false idea of, well, I, I, I go into church and... I'm reading my Bible, and I prayed, and I even tithed last year, and all these bad things happened to me. Difficulties are in this life. And when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, you should expect that that normal Christian life will have suffering and hardship in it. But God will meet you there. As you follow him. Amen. So let's keep on following Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 11. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. About which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, keep on following Jesus. Number four, submit to spiritual authority in your life. Submit to scriptural authority. 2 Timothy 3.16, say this scripture verse with me. Verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Let's stop right there. How much of Scripture is breathed out, inspired by God? Breathe. Yeah. It's inspired, meaning it's breathed out by God. God didn't take writings and breathe inspiration into it. God spoke the Word, and it was delivered to us. It's God-breathed. It's His Word. It's sacred writing. It is the Word of God. It's sufficient. It is without error. It will never lead you astray. It is perfect for your instruction. Amen? This is God's Word. This book is not any normal book. It is different than any other book. Some people say, oh, I read that. That was so inspirational, meaning that they found inspiration at some point. That's not what we mean when we say the Bible is inspired. We're saying it is inspirational, but more than that, 
it is filled with the very breath of God as we consume it in our life. It's life-changing as you read his word. Amen. But not only read it, but what is it says? It is profitable. What kind of profit does it, how is it profitable? He says, look at these positives and negatives. First of all, for teaching, that's positive. It teaches the truth. But for reproof, it reproves us about error. And so, you know what? It corrects you. God's word teaches you the truth, keep you on the right path, but it corrects you from error and wrong thinking in your mind and wrong believing. It's for correction. It is, again, it's like a GPS when you're getting out of line. It's letting you know. It's correcting you to get back and for training you in righteousness. So when I bring my life in alignment with God's word, it brings blessing into my life, right? Drew, isn't that in counseling something that we teach? About bringing my life into alignment with the Word of God, right? So when you're counseling, often we get wrong ideas and wrong assumptions, and we, 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 we start making decisions not in alignment here. So we need to put those things off, and we need to put on the things that we are in Christ and bring our life in alignment with His Word. This is where the blessing of abundance is found in our life. Amen? It, 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 it equips you, it, it matures you, it, it makes you competent to do the very work that God has called you as men and women of God. Amen. The Word of God. Submit to that authority into your life. And it brings blessing in your life. Number five, seize eternal life. Seize the day. Grab hold of life. First Timothy 6.12 says, Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He said, Tim, listen, I want you to do this. He said, Tim, if you're going to uh, train yourself, I want you to seize. I want you to take hold of that. You were taken hold of by God. You take hold of that very thing and seize it. And live this life. It's eternal life. Don't let go. Grab, grab the day and the life. And because uh, life is found in Jesus. In knowing him and obeying him. So seize eternal life. And then be cleansed from sin. We're going to hurry through these. Cleansed from sin. And uh, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but wood and hay, and some for honorable use and some dishonorable. But if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master, ready for every good work. He says, listen, in a big house, there are two different kinds of dishes. There are honorable dishes, and then there were kind of dishonorable some are clean and special and holy and, uh, and set apart for special things. And some are just more profane and, and, and not as important. He says, cleanse yourself. 
that you might be holy. In our house, we have some special dishes that, uh, you know, are special. And then we have some other plastic stuff that's not so special. You know what I'm talking about? We got some stuff that it's good enough for us to eat at we're on, but if you come to our house, you don't get to eat on those, all right? Then we have other dishes that we never get out unless my mother-in-law's there, and then we get those out. <laughs> They're really special. They're holy. Well, God has some dishes that he wants you to be, and that's special and holy. How do we get cleansed, though? You say, cleanse yourself, but how do I cleanse myself? That's the question, isn't it? Look with me to 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, does what? Cleanses us from all sin. You see, all of us have dirty dishes in our life, and we need the cleansing that only Jesus can bring. Verse number 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And what? Cleanse us. From what? All of righteousness. Everything you've ever done, he cleanses you by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So that cleanse yourself means I confess it, I repent, and I trust in the atoning work of Jesus. To pay for all my sin. Not my effort. His work for me. Amen? Amen. Cleanse yourself from sin. That's a daily discipline in your life. Believing the Lord. Confessing sin. Living repentantly. And turning to God. And then finally. Participate in a community of faith. Be a part of a faith community. 1 John 1, 6 and 7 says. If we have fellowship with him. We walk in darkness. We lie, notice the plurals, and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have what? Fellowship with whom? One another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses whom? Us from all of our sin. Folks, did you know we are in community? And this community of faith is important and I want to say this, if you want to really go forward in this Christian life, you can't do it like a loner. You have to be a part of the family of God. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how to stir one another up to what? Love and what? Good deeds, good works. And not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, let's encourage one another. Let's don't quit meeting together. Let's stimulate and turn one another on to love and good deeds. You cannot live this Christian life as an island. I have people say, well, I don't really need church. I read my Bible, I pray, and I don't have to go to church, be at church, be in community That all sounds nice, but that's not true. We are community of faith. 
And we all need one another. And there are people here that need you. And you need them. It's an old story. But there was a man who had quit coming to church. One excuse is always as good as another. You could feel, for whatever reason, he had quit being faithful. And his attendance. The pastor came by his house one night. He knocked on the door. And he brought him in. He came into the house. And he welcomed him. And they sat in leather chairs by the fireplace. They were warming themselves in a winter night. And they didn't say much. Pat, they just talked briefly. And they went to a silence where neither one of them said anything. The pastor got up and he took a poker and he pulled one of the logs away from the rest of the fire. And he sat back, put it down, sat back down in the chair. They both looked at the fire for a while. Before long, that glowing ember became gray ash colored. And then before long, there was no sparks or red or heat in the log at all. While the rest of the flame burned on. When he had finished, in the silence, they looked at that and he stood up to leave. He got his coat and the man looked at him and said, I understand your message and I'll see you Sunday. The point is, you remove yourself from the family of God. And you remove yourself from a special way that the Spirit of God uses you, speaks to you, and helps grow you to be all that God's called you to be. Discipline yourself to be a part of a church and a part of the family of God. Amen? So these are things, the habits that we do, things we avoid, things that we pursue in our life, temptations that we flee from. We want to be the people of God. Amen? Amen. When we do, we experience the real blessing of God in our life. Amen. I want us to pray together. Today, my invitation today is for you to do business with God today. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask you to stand with me. And I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're not going to have a musical come forward kind of invitation, but here's the invitation today. If you want to pray about a spiritual matter in your life, I would love to pray with you. One of our pastors, Scott is standing here, John, Jay's right here, Drew is here today, Jill is here today, women. It's an opportunity for you. And so if you want to talk with anyone, please, after the service, we would love to talk with you. Brother Jim as well. And um, let's just obey the Lord. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, I thank you for the word. It's been powerful and true and good for us to reflect on it and hear it today. Father, I pray, help us to live, live this Christian life and know the abundance that you give us as we walk in obedience before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.